Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. The questions today are, is first, a more extreme or a long-term bedtime or nighttime struggle, and a second is from a mom with a husband in the military whose young children are having a hard time adjusting with him off at boot camp. So she is left to try to manage this on her own and is looking for some tips. So the first question about the bedtime nighttime struggles is from Rebecca. We're really struggling with our three and a half year old daughter. Nighttime has always been tough for her. As a baby, we'd try to cry it out and 15 minutes later she'd wake up again to begin the whole process again. After a few weeks, we had to give in and succumb to nursing more and longer and or staying with her at night. My husband and I are both working and the nighttime distribution was just too much to bear to make it through the day. Fast forward three years and we really haven't made much progress. There have been days and maybe a few weeks where she'd sleep by herself without wake-ups, mostly towards the end of year one and some of year two and in her crib. This past June, we had our second baby and our night routine escalated. Even before the baby came, my three-and-a-half-year-old would wake up every few hours asking when her green light would come on. The green light worked temporarily early on, and it's set for 5 a.m. We can't even make it to 5 a.m., Since June, my three-and-a-half-year-old has slept in her bed without waking us only twice. We've tried even allowing her to sleep in our room on the couch if she didn't wake us, but that just turned into her wanting more. I listened to your podcast about calmly bringing them back to their room and unemotionally responding. I did well the first two nights, but then when the baby wakes in between my three-and-a-half-year-old waking me and then she wakes me up for the fourth or fifth time, I am completely emotional because I haven't slept at all. She says she needs a person to sleep. It's our fault, probably, for giving in two years ago. We've tried a lovey, even the dog in her room, sleeping next to her. I worry we're making the situation worse as she can sense our desperation and is taking advantage. She's a strong-willed kid as it is. This week, I've been walking her back and explaining we have a new routine as mommy needs her sleep. She's been going to sleep by herself after I lay with her for a little bit, but then excuse myself to go to the bathroom or tell daddy something. She falls asleep immediately after. At night, though, some days, it'll be 2 a.m., it seems like, she is wide awake, so I have a hard time just leaving her, and if I don't lay with her, the payoff of which I believe is causing our issue, she'll cry hysterically and loudly, waking my husband and potentially the baby. So what do I do? I know that's not a specific question, but I'm sitting at work completely exhausted, fighting with my husband, feeling like a terrible mom, and so tired of feeling like we're failing her unsure we can break her of her bad habits we've instilled she needs me to comfort her to sleep over and over again just like she did when she was a baby and she's got the upper hand again this time she's a toddler and that upper hand will and has extended into our daily routine which is not okay we need to get a hold and control back to the situation Now, after we emailed back about the date of the podcast a few weeks later rebecca did send an update of what they'd been trying and working on And she said, my husband actually has been sleeping in a bed next to my daughter in her room. She's not allowed to wake him up and has to sleep to the green light. For the most part, she's been listening to the rules. She hasn't woken me up except for twice and it's been a few weeks. And she is very proud of herself when she sleeps through and doesn't wake us up. I thought I had to remove myself from the mix so she could learn to fall asleep on her own. Also at night, I said one time, and it's become a routine that I have to do a few things around the house and I'll come back in in a few minutes. Before I know it, she falls asleep. I guess the biggest thing now is how do we get my husband out of the room? Thank you so much for your help. I'm enjoying your podcast. 
So this is a great question on so many levels. First, it's an example of how persistent some kids can be about fighting back about sleep. It's also common for parents to try some things and then give up and hope that things will get better, that their baby or toddler will just grow out of needing them for sleep, which unfortunately just doesn't happen very often. So it may be a cautionary tale for those parents out there with infants or toddlers who might be wondering, when does this get better? Well, the answer is, if you're staying on the current path, you could be spending your evenings and nighttime hours for years, staying with your child until they fall asleep, and even potentially with them all night until you decide you're ready to make the change. And this is all okay, it's just that you have to decide what you're ready to handle and what your boundaries are around this. Now, I knew a mom who actually used to rock her kids to sleep in their closet for two hours every night. They just got into this pattern and habit where it got worse and worse and worse. And the next thing she knew, she was rocking them to sleep in the pure darkness of their closet for two hours every night. They just kept letting it get worse and worse rather than kind of backing the kids out and helping them learn how to fall asleep on their own. They kind of kept digging that hole deeper. And then they realized they'd made a couple of wrong turns that weren't the best choices once they got dug in so deep. That's a tough place to get out of. Now for Rebecca and her husband, the good news is that they've seemed to be able to get back out to some degree and get to a place where everyone is getting sleep. So that's the good news. So now it's time to figure out the next step in getting the daughter more independent. I'm going to cover a couple of concepts. So first, I want to talk about co-sleeping. Co-sleeping is much more common in non-Western cultures. It's only in the more individualistic Western cultures where we want our kids to sleep on their own in their own room. I'm not saying this is good or bad. It's just a different way of doing things. So for anyone who wants to co-sleep, so long as you're safe, the infants and small toddlers have been known to suffocate when parents roll over on them. So if you do co-sleep, the best way is in a co-sleeper attached to the side of the bed. This is for infants. Obviously, toddlers aren't going to work in a co-sleeper. They're too big. Or if they're in the same bed, you want the child, then the mom, and then the dad, assuming this is a mom and dad family. Dads tend to sleep deeper, and they're bigger, and are more. it's more common that they suffocate the babies or the toddlers. So if you are fine with this, if you're okay with the co-sleeping, you're okay with sharing your bed, if you feel like your intimacy needs with your partner are being met, if you are getting the sleep that you need, there is nothing wrong with co-sleeping. This is a family choice. This is what works for you. And it needs to work for everyone. It needs to work for both parents if it's a two-parent household, not just one parent. So you guys need to decide as a couple. There's also nothing wrong with having your child fall asleep in their own room on their own. This is fine too. So this is really about what works for you as parents, what you want to do. Just know that at some point you may want your room or your bed back and it probably will be long before your child is ready. So the longer that you co-sleep, it is going to be a tough habit to break at some point if you do decide that you want that because most kids aren't going to want to start to sleep on their own until like middle to late childhood. Once they get used to that, that's a tough habit to break. So just know that that's a possibility down the road should you want to do that. Now, I sleep with my kids when we go on family trips. Um, I think it's really fun. I really enjoy it. But it does tend to disrupt my sleep a little bit when they end up in weird positions with their head or their knees or their feet in my ribs or my back. But it's fun to do on occasion. But it's definitely not something that ever worked for me or in our family. Um, I couldn't do it every night. I would not get the sleep that I want. And our bed is just not big enough to have more than two adults, 
more than two people in the bed. So that just didn't work for us. Um, the second concept is sleep associations. A sleep association is what we associate with falling asleep. Everyone has it. Adults have it. Kids have it. Is it your bed? Is it a warm bath? Is it a nighttime routine? Well, like a warm tea and a book that'd be for an adult. Well, for kids, I don't know about the tea, but you know, kids have the same thing. Where this can get troublesome for parents is when kids associate a parent with falling asleep. When the parent is wanting the child to fall asleep independently. Now, I know for me as a parent, I really need that evening time just to just to relax and de-stress. A little bit of time without my kids. Um, you know, hopefully not spent doing too much housework, but it is that time where I get to myself to de-stress at the end of the day. So I really think those couple of hours in the evening are really, really precious. And so that's really what I need. And so having to spend that time staying with my children while they fall asleep or keep taking them back to bed or every time they wake up having to go back to them, it's just not something that works for me. So because then what happens is the parent is a slave to the child for that time that they're falling asleep or every single time they wake up and they need the parent to fall back to sleep, the parent is a slave to that process and it can be very frustrating. Now for most of us who need our sleep and like in Rebecca's case with an infant who still needs her in the middle of the night coupled with a toddler who wakes up and needs help to fall back to sleep and at differing times from the infant is a completely exhausting process and at that point something needs to be done because parents really need their sleep. It's not safe to be that tired and we just can't function, nor can we be not just our best, but we can't even be mediocre for anyone in our lives, including our kids, if we're that exhausted. So the sleep association needs to get switched around from the parent to something that is independent. It's their lovey, their bed, their bedtime routine, that type of thing. You want to switch it from the child needing the adult present to falling asleep on their own. Now, in a case like Rebecca's, where this has been a long time habit, it's not going to be easy. The bedtime switch might be okay and just take a few weeks and be relatively tear-free. That's the best case scenario. And the reason for this is the parent or parents are still awake. They're not drowsy. They have the time and the patience to work on this process at bedtime. Also because the child, the sleep pressure is stronger at bedtime. And so they fall asleep easier and faster at bedtime. But when they wake up in the middle of the night, they've been asleep for a few hours. The sleep pressure isn't nearly as strong. So the parents are awoken from a deep sleep. They just want to desperately get back to sleep. And so they'll do almost anything they have to, to get to just go to sleep. And so they often give in. And this is the first step to mentally preparing for working on this middle of the night issue. You want to make your plan. Who's going to do what? How you're going to do it? How you're going to back each other up? And then do it. Now, I would suggest starting this when you have a long weekend off from work or you can take a few extra days. Three days minimum, five days would be ideal. And here are some options. Work on bedtime only first and get those smooth. This you can do without the work break. Or you can do them both together, nighttime and middle of the night, and do it during that work break. So you can work on the bedtimes, getting her to fall asleep on her own, and this way the middle of the nights will be should become less frequent and she may start to put herself back to sleep in the middle of the night, 
and may come you get you less often. So that's why you can work on this while you're not on a work break. So, and then if you're doing this when you're not on a work break, when she does wake up and comes to get you, you can go in and sleep with her the remainder of the night, or you could do both at once, the bedtime and the nighttime. This you would do while you're on a work break. So this is where you decide who's going to do what. Is it going to be every other time one of you takes her back to bed? Is it dad because mom is going to deal with the baby? Does mom then let dad sleep in in the morning to get some sleep to be ready for dealing with the next night? So your options are the mantra method, which is just what you were trying before, tucking her in, leaving, and then taking her back to bed as many times as you need to with little to no interaction. This may mean that baby wakes up. That's part of the mental preparation for getting through these three to five days, this gauntlet of getting through this nighttime, middle of the night, bedtime training, knowing it will get better after that. So you're going to keep taking her back, taking her back until she falls asleep. The other option is the fading method where you slowly remove yourself from the process over time. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com.
You talk with her about it ahead of time. You would do that with the other one as well. Just talk with her ahead of time. We're having a new process. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to just walk you back to bed, etc. With this one, it's going to be similar, but you talk about what's going to happen. You let her know it's time for her to learn to fall asleep on her own, that you'll be staying until she's sleepy. So for the first three days, you stay until she's falling asleep, but don't wait till she falls asleep. You want to leave before she falls asleep because she needs the last thing she needs to remember is that you weren't there when she fell asleep. Then you get up and you leave. You can remove the amount of contact or increase the distance or a combination of each. And this is really what you feel like is the right fit based on your situation. So you can sit on the edge of the bed, rubbing her back until she's falling asleep and then move to sit across the room in a chair. You could, or you could move to sit outside the door until she falls asleep and then leave altogether. You can sit in a chair beside her bed until she gets sleepy. Then you're gonna slowly remove yourself further and further away. So you may sit by the door until she's sleepy and then leave. So you're slowly removing yourself from the process and you can kind of figure out what will be the best way with your child. It sounds like she doesn't need physical contact to fall asleep. It sounds like it's just the presence. So in that case, you could just move yourself further away as she gets sleepy. So first you're beside her bed, then you're sitting in the room, but across the room, then you're sitting outside the door, and pretty soon she really doesn't need your presence to fall asleep. And then whatever you have her do at bedtime, you'll want to do in the middle of the night as well. And chances are it will take longer in the middle of the night because that sleep pressure is reduced. So you have to decide what you can handle. Now for me, it was the mantra method because I couldn't handle 20 minutes of back rubbing in the middle of the night without crashing out with them. I would have ended up laying down in bed and just saying, forget it, and I would have fallen asleep. I'm a deep sleeper, and when I'm woken up, I just want to fall right back to sleep. So I would have ended up crawling up in bed with them and falling asleep and the whole thing would have been null and void. So I just knew that wasn't gonna work for me. So for me, it was always the mantra method. I knew I could just walk them back to bed, go back to my bed and crash out. If they came in again and walk them back to bed, go into my bed and crash out. So I knew a few nights of it's still nighttime and walking them back to bed and I would be done was the right fit for me as a parent. But these methods along with the move out method and more on sleep associations, other bedtime, nighttime, and naptime troubleshooting tips are available in the toddler sleep class as well as the infant sleep class on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. Now before I get to the next question, I want to let you all know that if you're a current member, this does not affect you, but I will be phasing out the Ask Aaron portion as part of the memberships in the next couple weeks to a month tops. With the increased membership, I'm starting to get a lot more questions and I'm soon gonna hit capacity with how many I'll be able to answer in any given day or week. So I'll be removing it or making it a premium option. But again, if you're currently a member or you join before I make that change, in the next two weeks to a month, you will be grandfathered in and you will have access to ask your questions to me about any of the classes or any clarifications you need or a unique situation you have to get those questions answered within 24 hours on a weekday or within 48 hours over the weekend or holiday, so long as your membership stays active. Because I also like the idea of keeping this as a thank you to those of you who have been among the first members to support me and support the site. So I wanna keep that for those who are who get in on that before I remove it. You'll notice on the Become a Member page, it says access to Ask Erin. Once that's removed, then you'll know that it's no longer a part of the memberships. But up until I remove that, it's still available with the memberships. So the next question is from Elizabeth, who says, 
Hello, I love your podcast. My question is about military and working from home. My husband recently left for boot camp. We have a three-year-old, four in March, so obviously she asked this a couple months ago, and a five-year-old. They're 15 months apart. This is new for us. So they're not used to having him gone, and we have not talked to him yet. Prior to him leaving, we talked and talked about daddy being gone for a long time with the army. I talk about how proud of him I am. We got them army uniforms and played army outside, even went to the armory to look at vehicles. However, they're just not their normal selves. My oldest will randomly scream. She tells me she hates me. She tried to climb me. The youngest is being defiant and argumentative. I recently started the talking stick, but they seem to talk about toys. I ask them how they feel, but they say sad and start talking about toys again. Then to top it off, I work part-time from home and don't have daycare because of cost. Unfortunately, I have to work to feed us, which I'm not doing that well at at this point. I have a schedule set that they are doing this or that while I do this or that. We have a sticker chart. How do I help them more with their daddy being gone? Any scheduling ideas for me to make working from home easier while being a single parent? Thanks, Elizabeth. So first, I want to say thank you to Elizabeth and your family for such a sacrifice. This is a big burden on all of you. And I love that you're trying the talking stick. And it's okay that they're just talking about toys. What this is telling me is that the sadness is just too much for them to process and to talk about at that moment. So they're preferring to talk about their toys or other things. But what it also does is give them an opportunity if they do feel like they want to share something. It lets them know that this is something that is up for discussion. Let them know that this time is hard for all of you and that you're always available to talk about it. You could try using puppets or their stuffed animals to tell a story about the daddy lying going away to keep the pride safe while the babies and mommy stay home or something like that. You could use bears, whatever animals they have. They'll be more likely to listen and engage in a story and may possibly even open up too. They may take the animals and then play with the animals. You'll see kids work through their emotions through play. So they may take those baby animals and talk about how the baby animals are sad. They may not, but it's common for kids to use their play to share their emotions. That may be a way of getting them to express how they're feeling. You could do art. You could put on some music and have them draw or paint to music. You put on different types of music. So you put on fun, upbeat music, some inspiring music, some serious music, some sad music. Have them draw or paint and ask about how the music makes them feel. And then you ask about what they drew or painted in the picture based on the music. So when the sad music was on, you could ask them, what is this picture about? Tell me about it. And you may find out some things that way. It's another way to get them or help them to process their emotions and share them. You can play the emotions game where you have a stack of cards with different emotion faces on them. Happy, surprised, frustrated, angry, embarrassed, sad, etc. And then someone picks a card. It could just be a paper cutout. And then you go around and everyone talks about a time they felt that emotion. So it opens things up to talking about feelings and that it's okay to talk about feelings. And actually, I'm going to put that file up with the faces on it that we have as a handout for several of our classes, one of those being your developing toddler, your developing preschooler, the tantrums class. It's a handout we use in all three of those classes where I talk about ways to support social emotional development. This game is just one of many ways that I talk about in those classes of supporting emotional development because recognizing emotions is the foundation for good social skills. Kids need to be able to recognize their emotions and share them appropriately, and this is the baseline for those social skills. 
So it's the first step in helping kids develop those strong social emotional skills. And you can go to that page for the episode, yourvillageonline.com slash podcast slash emotions to get that page. Then you can just cut them out and put them in a stack when you play the game. You also could just use the page and then point to different emotions, like sort of close your eyes and move your hand around and just land on something, point to it and have everyone do that and then talk about the emotions that way. Also, here's a few books for kids with parents who are on deployment. All Hands on Deck, Dad's Coming Home. A Paper Hug. A Year Without Dad. Brave Like Me. But What If and Coming Home. So that's six books. So there's six books there, and they're all good for ages four to six, and some of these are even great for older kids, so ages four through eight, that will be great resources for your family over time. I know I also sent you a question about any resources the Army has for families to help in adjusting any counseling or support groups or anything like that, and I know you were checking into that and what you would have available, but it doesn't sound like there's a lot, um, which seems really unfair to me, given that you guys have to make the sacrifice. It would be Really nice if you could get the kind of support that you need, not just for your husband in the field, but for your family at home. But I do hope that you can find either some sort of formal resource through the armed forces for you and the kids or some informal ones through other army moms who can become your support and your help with you taking turns watching kids or just to hang out for play dates and share experiences, whatever. I hope um, you can find a community through that. When it comes to working, for you, this can be a tricky part with kids this little. It's really hard to keep them occupied this little. You can try keeping them busy while you get some things done, but I found that difficult until they're a little bit older. Now, depending on the work you do, a trip to the park could be a good way to get some work in now that it's getting warmer. Now, when my kids were little, I tried a bunch of different things to get some work done during the day when I was home with kids all day long. That's back when I was creating the classes, writing the classes. So I would go to a lot of different play places and out to the parks so the kids could get some of their energy out and I could try to get something done. I got very creative. And now that it's getting warmer, parks are definitely going to start to become an option. Now you can get a good hour of planning, note-taking, or whatever. If you have a laptop, you can get some work done on the laptop if you don't need the internet to write some things up and outline or that kind of thing. You can keep your eye on them and still get some good work done in that time. For me, the best time for me to work when my kids are home, which for me happens on a lot of breaks, which happens a lot. Our schools always seem to be having some sort of break. Next week is spring break again. Um, It's early morning and after they go to bed. So I get up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning to get work done before they get up. I can get a good solid three hours in before my kids get up. And then another hour or two after they go to bed. Now, mine are in school, but once 2 p.m. hits, I'm on duty, homework, after school activities, dinner, until they go to bed at 8.30. So I just get a small time during the day when they're at school. So if I only worked while they're in school, I'd get five hours a day in. And for me, that's just not enough time for me to get everything done that I need to. If an early morning or a later evening, even a few days a week where you can knock out a good two to three hours could help. Now with part-time, you wouldn't need to do both morning and evening. And especially with single mom duties, I think that would just be too much. You'd be burning the candle at both ends and, and would just wear yourself out. But between the early mornings or the evenings, you'll know if you're a morning person or an evening person. And then a trip to the park, every morning or afternoon, if that's a place you can get some work done, you can actually get quite a bit knocked out without needing to do it at home while they're up and wanting and needing your attention. So 
what I would do is during those times while they're home and running around is to save that time for doing chores. Have the kids help you with them for errands, help you cook, help you clean up, sort laundry, those types of things. You can do all that while the kids are around so that once they're in bed, you're not trying to spend that time that's quiet in the house to get chores done and get caught up. And I am just really big about trying to figure out how I can most efficiently use my time. So if I'm doing work, like while my son is at swim practice, I save the easier work to do while he's at swim practice. I'll go sit in my car where it's quiet and warm because it's still cold here and windy and get some easier work done. Nothing I have to concentrate really hard on, but if I have to take notes on a book or something like that, I'll do that in the car. Um, I hate wasting my time. I'm so busy. There's so much going on that I get really efficient with my time. And I even listen to books sometimes while I'm driving my kids to and from their activities. So do what you can, figure out ways that you can make your time the most efficient. Save the work that's like super easy if you need to get it done while they're home and while they're awake and save that easy work for then and then try to get, you know, the stuff you need to concentrate on deeper and harder for the times when they're asleep at night or in the mornings. So hopefully this gives you some good ideas for getting some work done while you're working from home. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.